Most of us have never had the government as involved in our lives as they are at the moment. I know that's not true for everyone here, because some people have lived under communism, and some people have lived through the Second World War. Probably not here today, but maybe online. Uh, But for most, we're not used to being told by the government when you can leave your home and when you cannot. (laughs) Before last year, we never would have dreamt we'd be in such a situation. We're not being used to... We're not used to being told how many people you can meet with and when and where. We're not used to being told you've got to have your face covered now and now you can have it uncovered. It's a degree of government involvement in our life that most of us have never experienced before. And so life under authority has become a much bigger issue in our lives. And so we need to get some help from the Bible uh, on, on this issue. What is it like living under such authority? What should our response be? This is part of our little topical series we're doing on life in our lockdown situation. We've had life in the overlap of the ages. We've had life for the glory of God. And today, life under authority. By the way, children, an authority is someone who has the right to tell you what to do, someone who rules over you, someone you're expected to obey. Life under authority is actually something we should think about for bigger reasons than just COVID and lockdown. Our society is generally anti-authority. I wonder, how, how do you feel about the word authority? How do you react when you hear about submitting to authority? Like the sound of that? A lot of the social change over the last 60 years in our society has been about overturning authority. And it's likely to have affected our attitudes too. And then there's an even bigger reason to hear about authority, which is it's a big theme in the Bible. In fact, you could say the Bible shows the history of humanity to be a matter of our relationship with authority. I'll explain in a minute. But I'm trying to introduce, today is going to be like last week, topical, but it's going to be more centred around a passage than last week. So would you come with me to 1 Peter 2? 1 Peter 2, verse 13 onwards. (coughs) 1 Peter 2, starting at verse 13. What I want to do is... First of all, put this passage in the context of the big Bible theme of authority. And then secondly, work at these verses. Go through them a bit Bible study-like, getting to see what these verses actually mean. And then thirdly, get some application for our situation today. So a mixture of topical and going through a passage. So first of all, the big Bible theme that lies behind these verses. As so often, we're helped by going back to the beginning, the very beginning. And the Bible starts with God as the authority because he's the author of everything. That gives him the right to rule it. Because it's his creation, God loves this world and he cares for this world and he rules over this world. And that's the best sort of king. He's got absolute power, but no, uh, no flaw, nothing wrong in his love and his care. And the best part of God's creation is 
Well, I'll read it to you. Genesis 1, verse 26. We have God is the authority because he's the author of everything. But the best thing he authored that he created was chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Massively important verses. But the point here is mankind was given authority over the rest of creation as God's representatives. Authority under God. Authority to be exercised God's way. Authority to be done in the way he says and for his glory. And within mankind, there's authority. Did you notice it said, God said, I'll make man in my image. Humanity is given the name man. That's not just an accident in English. It's actually there originally in the Bible. But they're made male and female. And you read on and you find the husband has authority over the wife. Genesis 1 and 2, the emphasis is on their unity. The emphasis is on their enjoyment of each other and their similarity. But there is this gentle leadership shown in little ways like the man names his wife, just like God had named them. It's a sign of authority. But it's very gentle there. The emphasis is on similarity, unity, delight in each other. And then we get to Genesis chapter 3. Children, what happened in Genesis 3? Well, it's called the fall. And it's the first human sin. And it's a matter of authority. It was rebelling against authority. It was mankind saying, we will not have that God or any God to rule over us. We don't want any restraints. And it was a matter of authority in another way. It was mankind saying, we will be the authority without any boundaries. We will be the authority. We're not happy with being authorities under God. We want to be the top authority that can do whatever we like. And unsurprisingly, it's led to trouble in this area of authority ever since. And so God said to Eve in Genesis chapter 3, verse 16... A verse that's puzzled many people. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. It's putting into just a few words quite a central truth. If you compare it with other parts of the Bible, you find just as mankind had been dissatisfied with and resisted having God as loving head, so there would be a tendency for wives and others under authority to be dissatisfied with that and resist it. And just as mankind had been dissatisfied with God saying, you'll have authority, mankind, but under me, with me setting the boundaries and me telling you how to use it lovingly, so there's been a tendency ever since for husbands and others who have authority to resist having boundaries put over it and to use it in God's loving, caring way. And both of those tendencies explain so much of the trouble in the world. 
that explains trouble on a personal level. I'll illustrate with a book, which is not a true book, it's a story, but by someone who observed human nature, and I think he was observing something true here, Charles Dickens. I know he exaggerated people, but he picked up something true. He wrote a book called Hard Times, and in it there were two marriages. And in one of those marriages, the wife has no respect for her husband, and she won't do a thing he says. In the other marriage, the husband is a total bully who just completely puts down his wife. And both of them are miserable marriages. Do you see how they both reflect those tendencies Genesis 3 warned would happen? That twisting of authority has caused trouble on a personal level and on a bigger level, on the national level. So another story, this time a true one, Wild Swans, is the true story of three generations of women in Chengdu in China. And it's a story of their experience living under the Kuomintang, the nationalist government, and how repressive it was and, and the suffering there was. And so that family, along with others, were involved in rebelling against the authority. They were part of the communist revolution in the hopes that they would bring in a better government and be rid of repression and rid of suffering. And it's, it's a painful story because it's the story of their disappointment. As even though they'd been leaders in the revolution, they found themselves under the boot of new repression and even worse, suffering. Uh, under a government that refused to recognise we are under God's authority and our authority is to be used the way God says. You see, the Bible explains the world that we experience and it says the root cause is rejection of God's good, loving authority. Well, let's move on to better things. Let's move on to the solution. And the solution, of course, comes with Jesus. Coming so we would again be willingly under God's good authority. Now, children, I wonder, does Christmas seem a long time ago? Yeah, Christmas probably seems, it's not that long ago, but it seems a long time ago. But I'm sure you remember the story of the wise men. And they went to the wrong place. How did they discover where, <coughs> where was the right place to find Jesus? Well, they were told from the Bible. Someone read to them from the Bible this, and this is in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. In Bethlehem, this is where you'll find the king of the Jews. In Bethlehem, because out of Bethlehem will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Did you notice that? Out of Bethlehem will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Now, children and adults, try to picture a king. What do you picture? They were looking for a king. What do you picture? Someone on a throne. Someone with royal robes. Someone wearing a crown. Someone impressive. Now try to picture a shepherd. What do you picture? Not on a throne, but in a field. Not with royal robes, but with probably quite dirty clothes. Not someone impressive, but someone looking after sheep. And uh, probably standing around a lot of the time, waiting to lead on the sheep to the next place. So different, shepherds and kings. And yet we read, Jesus is the shepherd king. 
Great picture. Shepherd king, he certainly has authority. The sheep are not in charge. But it's such caring authority. Used not to tax people until, they, until they're poor, but to care and to love and for the good of the sheep. And becoming a Christian is coming willingly under his authority. Becoming a Christian is saying, Jesus, I need you to care for me. And I trust you to lead me the right way, so I will follow you. Have you said that to Jesus? Is that your attitude towards Jesus? And then coming under the authority of Jesus doesn't mean there's no other authorities around. I'm just under Jesus. No one else has any say in my life. No, because Jesus came to mend Genesis 3. And so... When we come under his authority, we should now rightly relate to the other authorities around. Let's think about them. Who are they? The New Testament specifies, tells us, six people that Christians are to submit to. Six authorities we are to come under. Now, have a little think. Have a little think. Can you think who the six are that the New Testament tells us? These are the authorities you should submit to. Six lots of people the Bible tells us to submit to. Obvious one, God. It tells us submit to God. To the government. To the leaders of the church. To your husband if you're a wife. To your parents if you're a child to those over you in your workplace. Six, that the Bible specifically uses the word submit about. It says come under them, come under their authority. And now what I've done there is I've tried to set the the big Bible theme of authority and tried to show you this isn't some nasty teaching, this is good. And I hope that will help us to understand 1 Peter 2. So now the second part is let's work through 1 Peter 2 and try to see what it means. (coughs) If children were submitting to parents and wives to husbands and church members to church leaders and all of those to the government and everyone, including the husbands and the parents and the government, to God and doing it his way, that would be a wonderful world. I hope it's easy to see that that would really be a wonderful world. But people aren't doing it. So living in a world where others are not doing that rightly, what are we to do? Let's find out from 1 Peter 3. Sorry, 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. Submit yourselves. Submit yourselves. Let's just pause there for a moment. This was written to Christians under the caring authority of Jesus. Living in a hostile world where Christians were being mistreated by others, including the authorities. But it tells them, submit. Submit means respect their authority, recognise you're under them, they're your leaders, and obey them. Why? Let's move on. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. For the Lord's sake, out of obedience to the Lord, we obey the government he put in place. Even if the government got put in place in a rather odd sort of way, in fact, a wrong way. Children, do you know who these people were who were being written to? When and where these Christians were? They were in the Roman Empire. 
And the authority, the top authority, was the emperor. And many of those emperors, they got in place in bad ways. They rebelled against the previous system. They murdered their rivals so they could become emperors. But the Christians are still told to obey the government because God invented government. He's put government in place. And yet there's another side to this. Because when it says obey for the Lord's sake, it implies you don't obey the government if that, if it contradicts obeying the Lord. Peter had to be very careful how he wrote because he's writing in the Roman Empire and so he he laces, he, he puts into what he's writing some little reminders to the Christians. There are limits. You're doing it for the Lord's sake, so you don't do it if it contradicts the Lord. So you might know Acts chapter 4, where the disciples had been told by the authorities, stop telling people about Jesus. Stop telling people about Jesus. Well, that was in clear contradiction to God. And so they said, well, you... You know, don't you, whether we should obey God rather than men. Of course we should obey God rather than men. But it was when it was in clear contradiction to God that they disobeyed the government. Let's move on. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. It's actually literally to every human creature. That's what it says, to every human creature. Now, the context tells us it's all about rulers. It's not you have to obey every person you pass in the streets who says, brush my shoes for me. It's clearly rulers. But it's reminding that they are human creatures, made by God and just humans. That reminder was needed. Because do you know what you were expected to do if you lived in the Roman Empire? Children, do you know what everyone was expected to do, even the Christians? to worship the emperor, to offer him incense as a sacrifice to worship him because he was to be thought of as a sort of God. And they're told here, no, he's just a human creature. They needed that. We need that today because some people pin their hopes on politicians and leaders. They're just human creatures. Some refuse to admit any faults in the leaders that they really like who are on their side. But they do have faults. They're human creatures. And some people are merciless with any fault in a leader. I think that's particularly true, isn't it, in our society with a democracy and with cartoons in the newspaper and with things that people put on the internet. If they fail in any way, if Boris Johnson falls asleep and has a nap, ah, useless, he's a human creature. Human creature, they have failings, they have faults, they have weaknesses. And so verse 14 then tells us what they are there to do. Verse 14. Submit to governors who are sent by him, the emperor, to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. It's not that's a complete description of everything governments do as if they shouldn't do anything else. No. And it's not pretending rulers always do that. The Bible is full of examples of bad rulers not doing that. But still, it is the function of rulers. And if we don't obey them, we overturn what God has put in place, his system for his world. We're doing like a mini Genesis 3 again. And then we get verse 15. Now, (coughs) I think verse 15 is not helpfully translated. 
is actually something like this. Listen, I'll give you what's the basic meaning of verse 15. Peter's saying, what I've just written to you about submitting to rulers is God's will for you. And in this way, you will silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. You see, he's looking back and he's saying, what I've just told you about submitting to rulers, that is God's will for you. And this is how you silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. What's he mean by ignorant talk of foolish men? Well, society then revolved around idol worship. At the centre of every town and village was idol worship. And the Christians didn't get involved in it. People thought, these Christians are a funny lot. And all sorts of rumours went around about these Christians. Anti-social people not getting involved in what's at the centre of society. And God says to them, do as much as you can to show that Christians are good citizens. Do as much as you can to silence these rumours by obeying the government and being good citizens. And you do this not as fearful slaves who are just forced into it. No, verse 16. Live as free men. Jesus made you free. You're not living in fear. You're not driven by sin. You're not just cowering and doing this because someone said, submit, go on, just get on and do it. But you're freely choosing. Because you see, this is God's good way for the world he made. And verse 16 reminds us we're all under his authority. We're servants of God. And so, verse 17, fear God. Put him first. Not the emperor. Do you notice in verse 17 the difference between God and the emperor? Fear God, you don't need to fear the emperor. If his laws contradict, you see here again is a little hint to the Christians. In a dangerous situation, there's this little hint You don't need to fear the emperor. If his laws contradict God, you fear God and obey him, not the emperor. But do honour the emperor. And do give everyone their proper respect. They're all made in God's image. Respect them all, believers and unbelievers. And this includes when those authorities are unreasonable and difficult. Children, if you go to Rome today, you can see the ruins of a great big circular building. Do you know what it is? This great big circular building in Rome. It's called the Colosseum. And there the emperors made slaves fight to the death as gladiators. And there Christians were fed to lions as entertainment for the emperor and his people. It was a harsh world. And many of the Christians were slaves under harsh Masters, what are they told to do? Verse 18. Verse 18, slaves, submit to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Christians are told to show astonishing submission. Now, some people say, well, that was slaves to masters. That's not us, and it's not about governments. It's different. We don't have to submit to a harsh government. It's only harsh slave masters. Well, hang on a minute. What's the reason given? What's the reason given in 1 Peter? Have a look down to verse 21. Verse 21. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, 
leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. And who was Jesus submitting to? Was he a slave submitting to a master? No, he was a citizen submitting to the government. It's talking about his trial. And he was doing it for us. Verse 24. He was doing it to take our sins on himself. Because, verse 25, we had rebelled against authority. We were sheep going astray. We were sheep who said we won't follow the shepherd. Even though he was such a caring shepherd, looking out for our good, we said, no, we'll do our own thing. But he did it to bring us back under the shepherd. Verse 25, but now you've returned to the shepherd, an overseer of your souls. And now we follow our shepherd, including including following his submission to the authorities. Okay, what am I trying to do? I've I've tried to set the big Bible theme and to take you through and show you what the verses mean in 1 Peter. And now briefly, let's end with this. Some application to us now today. Application. It's obvious, I hope. Here we are in COVID and lockdown. And there are different opinions in the church about COVID, what it is, and about lockdown, and whether it's good or not, and the right policy, and about masks, and whether they work or not. There's all sorts of different opinions within the church on that. Good. I'm glad there are, because we're not a cult. We're not a cult where everyone has to think the same thing about everything. We have different opinions. But we shouldn't differ on this. We obey the government. If we disagree with it, if it's annoying, if it's difficult, if you think it's got the wrong policies, it's irrelevant really, because we're told here we obey it. I've heard fancy arguments from Christians. The government's overstepping the marks. The mark is infringing our liberties. It's going beyond its sphere of authority. If we don't stand up to it now, where will it be eventually? You know, there's persecution coming for Christians. We've got to show now that we're not doormats to be walked over. But here is God's word that came to Christians under an oppressive regime that certainly had no respect for liberties and where persecution was certainly on its way. And the Christians are not told, stand up to them, show you won't be pushed around. No, submit to the authorities, show you are good citizens. Now, there's a big but people will raise, but, but there are exceptions, but there are times when we shouldn't obey. Yes, true. When obeying the government would clearly contradict obeying God. Remember Acts 4? Obeying the government would clearly contradict obeying God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, very interesting man. He was a pastor and a theologian and a spy in Nazi Germany. And he was involved in smuggling Jews out of um, Germany to Switzerland. He was even involved in trying to overthrow the government of Hitler and even in trying to blow Hitler up. Failed. But he tried. He broke the law to do these things. But he didn't do it without first checking carefully, this is according to 
to God's word and checking with others in the church, consulting widely. Because to disobey the government's a big thing and it needs to be done only when it is clear from the Bible and from others in the church that it's the right thing. To disobey the government, it needs to be clear that it would be disobeying God if you were to go along with the government. And not just to you, but to others. Others God's put around you in the church. Not others you find on the internet. You can find anything justified on the internet. Ignore it for this purpose. But those God has put around you. God here in 1 Peter expects a high standard of his people. A high standard. And it's difficult. It must be admitted. It's a difficult standard. It's difficult when the government impinges on our freedoms and when its restrictions get in the way of what we want to do. It's difficult if you've got a boss over you at work who is hard. It's difficult if your husband is difficult or if your parents are. So let's briefly end with this. Some encouragement to help us do it. Some encouragement. Verse 12. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. This is such a lovely verse to give us encouragement to do this. It says, obeying God in this way can be used by him. It's saying... Us being seen to be good citizens can prepare the way for when God visits people. People seeing these Christians are decent people can make them more receptive for when God brings the gospel to them. They think, oh yeah, that makes sense, because I've seen so and so, and they're a good neighbour, and they're a decent person to have around. And so our lives can prepare the way for God's mercy coming to others. And even if no one notices, which sometimes happens that no one notices, verse 20, do this because it is commendable before God. He notices even if no one else does. And God noticing matters because, verse 23, he is the judge who judges justly. And you can entrust yourself to him knowing he is the authority that one day every harsh authority will answer to. So trust and follow your shepherd Jesus, who loved you enough to come to this world and to submit to its human authorities, who certainly didn't know better than him, but he submitted to them. And he even died at their hands out of love for you.